Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing today? I am doing very well, my friend. I was I was just thinking in my head then, oh, crap. Was there a, a catchphrase from the film we're talking about I had to throw out? Like Evil Dead when I got called out for not saying groovy. Um, but I'm doing very well. Really, really good over here. Uh, can't complain or won't complain. Either way, you're going to get the same outcome. But, you know, I'm digging it, my friend. I have my usual cup of tea. Uh, and that's what I love about the show is, you know, you, you for you, it's coming up for your dinner time. Whereas me, yeah. a cup of tea, feet up, talk some films. It's, it's, it's nighttime over here. The vibes are real. John Burke's in my ears and we get to talk to a lot of you film fans. I'm doing good. Tonight was a big one, JB, but I have to ask, how are it you is. doing? You keep in Florida safe and well? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I've I've been diving into uh, a lot of movies um, that normally I wouldn't. I'll get into that later in mm. consumption. Um, it is... Uh, you know, it's we're approaching summertime, so I'm kind of winding down a lot of stuff. And at the same time, that makes it more stressful because there is everything coming to an end. So you got to make sure you cover everything and um, that you don't forget anything uh, in preparation or whatnot. So, like, there's a lot of uh, little anxieties, but all, like, in good ways because I know I have that vacation coming up. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's doing all right. How about you? How's everything on your side? Um, everything's everything's happening everything everywhere all at once i oh, damn it i tried to get it in i couldn't do it um yeah no it's busy is busy busy um busy with work busy with weekend stuff busy with family life but and you were a fun. crowned king this uh, weekend right yeah there was a guy crowned king which it wasn't you it wasn't me which oh, uh, I, regret that. I don't quite understand why they, they know i'm the kingsman but but for those who who did celebrate I, it seemed like it was a a big party for those who didn't fair enough but um yes there is a new king king charles i think the third is our is our we all had to swear fealty to him apparently this week so uh, lots of pomp and ceremony and gold and riches and lavish funds spent on this when there is a lot of things going on in the country which we probably could have spent it on as well but that aside not too bad, my friend. It's busy, busy, but never too busy to watch a few films, play a few games. And do you know what, JB? The best thing about films and games and books is the escapism. We always mention it, but when when times are tough or it's a bad day or even if it's a busy day or even if it's a great day, it's something that it is nice just to stick on a film, put a book up, uh, read a book, play a video game and get away from it all. It helps, of course, if said media is any good or not. And um, Which, I think here on the BAMP, we're quite good at giving our opinions and dissecting whether we think things are or not. Which, I mean, that leads this this particular film is out of this world and out of this galaxy as we move into uh, the final entry in James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy now. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is out in theaters everywhere, and Matt and I are here to discuss it. So let's get into the stats. Um, as I mentioned, James Gunn back at the helm after at one point being unceremoniously fired. Um, for a nine-year-old tweet, but he got oh, yeah. brought back in. Um, he wrote and directed this film. Uh, and it's important to note, viewers, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, this is a spoiler-free review, but this movie does encompass Volume 1, Volume 2, the holiday special, which is canon, mm -hmm. then Volume 3, and a little bit of references to the MCU. Otherwise, you don't have to see any of the other Marvel movies to get what's happening. Ah, like Infinity yes. War and Endgame, 
that's really all he pulls from. And it's like a throwaway line in this movie. You can just watch the Guardians films. It's the only, I think, standalone trilogy in the MCU. I, I don't think any of the other ones are this isolated. Like the stuff oh, that is connected uh, is not in this particular film. And even in the others, it's barely there. Um, and I think it's one of the things that sets this apart. Uh, and also Gunn's style. And if you are in on his style, this will be a movie that you work for. But the cast here is a lot of people you remember from the other Guardians films. Uh, we're just reading a few of the actors. There's a lot of people in this movie, to be real. Some, uh, I'm reading this in the order they are listed on IMDb. So if I'm leaving names out, it's not intentional. But Chris Pratt, Chuck Woody Iwuji, Bradley Cooper, Palm Clementif, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillian, and that's the six, but there's, I mean, so many people, Zoe Saldana's back, uh, Vin Diesel as, as Groot, um, Sean Gunn is, as back as, uh, whatever, Rag, Raglan, um, Raglan, Will Poulter, Will Poulter is, uh, introduced, which he was a big, uh, to do over in the, like when he was cast, everyone was really excited. He's playing Adam Warlock. Um, you have Elizabeth Debicki back as the gold yeah. lady who, um, you know, isn't, in it a lot and you know there's a lot of other characters that show up I, I we won't name drop everybody but there's a lot there um the imdb synopsis reads still reeling from the loss of gamora peter quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own a mission that could mean the end of the guardians if not successful how's it doing with all the ratings so we got 81 percent rt uh critic score which is really positive not the most positive mcu film but positive i think if we were to go back the last couple um mm -hmm. 95 rt audience score so the audiences are having a blast meta score 65 and then uh a 8.4 imdb user score and a 4.2 letterbox when what i saw from letterbox is that this movie is now in the top 250 on letterbox uh um, yeah apparently because of its score it has put it up that high in the rankings um, don't you have to have a certain amount of ratings to get there as well you know what? I don't know the criteria and I was wondering that. And I also, I was, I'm assuming it's based on the score um, mm -hmm. and not some other factor. Uh, like, cause I don't know what other criteria letterbox would be using to uh, make it into their top two fifty Cause it's not it's box be office. It. The amount of um, people who, who like the film or love the film, maybe, but th that would be the only thing that, that makes sense separate. to me. Yeah. But either way, um, this movie is generally being loved by people and I am no different. I am, a big fan of the first two guardians films. I did. I soured a little on the second one. Um, it, it has some of my favorite moments in the guardians franchise though. And that's what keeps two up for me. I think overall it's the weakest of the, of the series, which is not always the case for trilogies, right? Empire strikes back rule, uh, not does not apply here. Um, but I went into this one, uh, one kind of burnt out of the MCU, which is why I so hard already hit that this movie doesn't require the MCU. It, it it is a standalone film in almost every sense of the idea and i really appreciated that so much so listeners without spoiling what they are there's two post credit scenes that have nothing to do with the mcu outside of the guardians and that is unheard of because most of the stingers that the mcu has used are always set up for uh, other movies yep. while there could be set up it's not setting up like the next entry into the uh i don't even know what they're calling the saga anymore the jonathan majors uh oh saga i guess is the new name um but <laughs> the next kang variant verse yeah so i i went in very much hopeful that it would win me over but also like not sold that it would i wasn't super excited i i honestly i feel like i maybe since the last year i guess i have not been super hyped going into a marvel movie just because 
it's so much at this point. There's so much content and it's, it's, it's still good. It's not even like, I'm not one of the people who are saying they're all bad. Like I'm not, I didn't hate Ant-Man, but it does feel like less than at this point. And guardians did not feel that way when it was over. I was super satisfied. I loved so much that they did in this movie. Um, I had a blast with the humor. Uh, it, it gets the, um, I think this is kind of public knowledge now, but it gets the first F bomb in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And that scene had me laughing for a solid, like two minutes afterwards. Like I was like, not just constant, but like, I was still like, I think about it like, man, they really, they nailed it. Like I thought it, I thought it worked real well. It was super funny. Um, I love all the characters in this movie there. It does hit the emotions. It does hit the heartstrings, but it also still hits the humor. Um, I thought the, the thing that set the first one off so w- great was the soundtrack, right? That's even why we have volume one, two, and three It's supposed to be this idea of music and gun has proven time and time again, that he is really good with needle drops. And I thought he nailed it here. Um, you know, it, there's some spoilers for guardians too, but there's a new listening device introduced at the end of volume two, um, which I had kind of forgotten about because it's been a minute. Like I, what volume two is 2018 or something like that. 2017, 2017. So it's been so six long, years. six years um, to forget. And I, I haven't watched it since the theater. I don't think like I, I bought it, but I didn't rewatch it when I bought it. Um, and I didn't do any kind of like recap before going into three. I did watch the holiday special like two months ago though. I was kind of late to it. I think I watched it after Christmas and I was like, I guess I should finally watch this. Um, and I'm glad I did. Cause there were references. They were more Easter eggs, I think, than they were like n- essential viewing, um, for the most part, but it's still cool that he even tied that in. Like it wasn't just a side. He didn't do it just for fun. Like he, he re- seemed like he really loved these characters. Um, I had a blast with this, uh, I think all of the gun is great with the surrogate family element. Um, we see that's what he is able to pull off in the suicide squad again. And he's, he's really excellent at writing characters that are broken and struggling to find their place and then finding kind of a, a level of acceptance with who they are, um, and moving forward. And I just really vibe with that, um, in every way. And this movie was no different for me. I connected with the characters again, I had a blast watching it. I think the visuals are really strong. I think there's some really cool action sequences. There's one action sequence that's so cool. Um, I think it's my favorite from the Guardians where uh, the team is finally back together kind of thing. It's just cool. I won't go into any more detail, but when that action scene kicked off, I was like losing my mind a little bit in the theater. Just like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. This is so cool. Um, Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, I had... I think I might have been even more up on it than a lot of the people I saw it with at the critic screening, but I, I really enjoyed the guardians films. They are, I think arguably the most cohesive of the MCU trilogies. Like uh, it feels like a one, one arc from the first movie to this movie. Like you see setup and you see payoff, you see all these characters growing and changing. And even with some things thrown out there and gun has been maybe overly vocal, about his criticisms because he's free of Marvel. He has a job. He's pretty okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And he has been, you know, like he's said things that he, he wanted Gamora to be removed in the second movie. And um, that he doesn't feel like the Peter Quill that's in infinity war is his Peter Quill. Like he's saying things like that, but normally I would just think that is crap talking. But I, I, when I watch these three films and try to remove the memories of the other stuff, Gunn seems to have a, a clear vision in mind for these characters. And I think the arc lands in this film in a major way where I don't know if that's true of any of the other ones. Like I love winter soldier, 
But if you look at Captain America Winter Soldier and Civil War, which doesn't feel like a full through line. I mean, you get some closure with the Winter Soldier stuff in, in Civil War. Obviously, Bucky's a major part of why there's a Civil War. But it still feels slightly disconnected. Iron Man 2 was such a letdown for me. I don't even Jesus. know if the, the plot matters for the three at all. Three feels more like a direct conversation with Avengers than it does with Iron mm. Man 2. Your Spider-Man trilogy as well. Spider-Man trilogy is pretty solid, I have to say, but it's so dependent on everything else mm-hmm. Yeah, that it, it doesn't feel like a Spider-Man trilogy until the very last sequence of Far From Home. Um, no, I'm sorry, No Way Home where we finally get to see Peter Parker be Peter Parker uh, because he's been thrust into the the chaos of the MCU. Um, and, and Thor has now four movies, to be fair. Uh, but I think that's one of the criticisms so many people have about the Thor films is they do feel so different from each one, right? Like, they do not feel mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah. four cohesive movies. Um, I like elements of all four. I love Ragnarok. I am much stronger on, on Love and Thunder, but... I, I think I know everyone hates that movie. <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. Um, but Thor's appearances in Infinity War and Endgame and things like that, I think they actually help him as a character or at least bridge the gap yes. between his films more so maybe than the Guardians. Wow. You know what else, though, I didn't think about until um, really uh, just now that the Guardians are in Thor Love and Thunder for like the first five, ten minutes. Uh, oh, they're in the intro, aren't they? Yeah, they're the like, they open, but I forgot. I keep forgetting that they're in it because um, it it right. is only it's in direct conversation with the end of of Endgame. So like they have to be in it, but it it doesn't make sense. Uh, and you can tell the movie doesn't want them there because they get rid of them as fast as possible, very quickly. Um, so like it was clearly like Taika was kind of forced to to use the Guardians. I you know. It's, I don't think anything they do in that movie is matters to this, and there's no reference to Thor in this movie, so clearly they don't care. Um, but I, I had a blast with this. I think fans of the Guardians movies will be satisfied. Um, it, it To me, it delivers in every way, and uh, Rocket Raccoon was pretty much my favorite character in the first movie, and he only cements it here. So I, I, was, I had a great time. Matt, I'm curious. I actually don't know if you're up or down on this. What were your thoughts? That's the beauty of it, John. I said it on the last week's show, the week before. We don't always share our thoughts ahead of time. Sometimes we can't help it. Sometimes it's even a voice note or a phone call to say, what the hell have I just watched? But um, for this one, um, I've been kind of struggling a bit with the MCU in the last, really since Endgame, to be honest. I really enjoyed things like Shang-Chi. I didn't mind Black Widow. I thought it was all right. Uh, Spider-Man Nowhere Home was great because of the OGs coming back. Uh, and I'm probably missing one more, but there's the, the rest of them have just kind of been up and down. Like Eternals didn't hit for me. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness did not hit for me. Thor Love and Thunder did not hit for me. Ant-Man, uh, the Wasp Quantumania did not hit. And I, when it came to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I think a lot of people who aren't maybe the hardcore MCU fans looked at this to to do a Guardians and and point at another franchise i think they looked at this and thought you're my only hope to say not to save the mcu but to keep their fire burning in terms of it um so no pressure here uh and i enjoyed this film john i did i liked this film i had good time right. with it. um i wasn't i wasn't i think you were more up on the second film than i was again that wasn't a a bad film but i think it struggled in com- comparison to the first film this but film works so well because of the reasons you said 
it is its own film within its own trilogy. You, they mentioned Thanos twice, maybe like you mentioned in throwaway yeah. lines, almost other than that, yeah. they're not interested in what else is going on. It's, this is our trilogy and our story. And I they're find also, that so refreshing. They're not interested in Thanos's big plans. They're interested in Thanos's direct personal relationship with two characters and it, not exactly, which is concerned exactly. with all of the other stuff which is what they should be zoning in on. And I find it so refreshing that in a 32 film saga, you can still get films, which I know, which pick up their own story threads, run of them and only care about those. Not to say that this film won't have any impact on upcoming films or major um, team ups, because I'm sure it will do John. We've got a spoiler minisode coming in a few days, but um it just felt really good to be able to sit down, watch a film, enjoy it, know what's going on and not have to care about supplemental material. Uh, I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it was a step up from Guardians Volume 2. I think it's the best MCU film I've seen in a long time uh, because they stuck to what they know best. The gunisms were, were there for all to see. The The cast are clearly having a great time here. And it shows, yeah. especially seeing as... Um, Dave Batista said this was going to be his last rodeo was as Drax. I believe Zoe Saldana said very, something very similar that she's done with now. And I don't know if the other actors are just looking forward to having a little break or not. But there, there, there seemed to be a sense of finality beforehand from the real world actors saying they're, they're done now. Um, but it didn't show in the film. It, show, it felt like everyone was having a great time. It felt like a party atmosphere between them. Um, and the certain, certain characters get more to do Drax, you know, we get to see him. Um, he, he is much more grounded and I believe I've seen him before, which I dug, mm. uh, Mantis, Mantis gets more to do oh, than so I've seen before. Maybe, maybe, maybe the holiday special as well, but just, uh, it felt more like a family and it felt like every member of the family had something to do here, which felt meaningful. Um, and I do think this is the first time that they the guys the team actually felt like a family i don't mean that they were incoherent and disjointed before obviously that's their their shtick but i mean the way that they would bicker and actually argue with each other the way that they'd come together for each other it felt like a real family unit which i think uh, james gunn managed to uh nail that down really well i think actually as the as the villain chuck woody Iwuji, i think he is also having a great time hamming it up. He is all in. I really liked him as the villain, other than about three quarters of the way through, and he, he just kept shouting. And I, I, I know, I know, I'm not the only one to pick up on that. But he was very loud. <laughs> everything was, uh, everything was an order which he'd be shouted at the top of his voice. Um, but he, he I, I felt a real menace from him. I felt he was a threatening villain. The things that he did, that we've seen him do, that he wanted to do, that he did do. I think Cementum was one of the stronger villains in recent MCU outings. Yeah. Um, Will Poulter's uh, Adam Warlock. I don't know. Um, I think Will Poulter did, did a good job. I just think his character fell victim to the MCUification of recent characters where they're coming in and yeah, they gave an in-universe reason as to why he was a bit odd, uh, shall we say, but it, I just don't there's something about him I think you could have almost taken him out or, or reworked it re- recontextualized something because I don't think he was as vital to the story as maybe the story thought he was yeah he had some big mm. moments especially as we went on but it just felt a bit I thought his character was a bit odd um, 
and was, I guess though, not to counter, but as like it no, was no. set up in in volume two, and I think Gunn does a good job of tying that yeah, into yeah, no, this main story overall. Like because it could have been, it could have felt way more like not related to the actual. You know, like when the movie starts and we meet Warlock, I was like, how are they going to tie this in? And then when it's kind of explained, it makes sense in a big picture sort of way. But yeah, I, I don't disagree that it was mm. extra, but he did add some fun moments. Yeah. And his intro was badass. You know, he had a real, yeah. he had a boss intro when he, when he first appeared, I was like, Oh damn, good luck guys. Um, which yeah. I, which I appreciated. I think the tones just about work in this film as well. Uh, at times it is, it's a guardians film. It's the humor you expect. It's the levity you expect. And at others, it gets quite dark with its, uh, with its visuals and thematically as well. It's a PG thirteen. I do think certain. I do think some younger kids may struggle with this, and not just because of the language, but yeah. some of the themes and some of the uh, uh, visuals that are depicted can be distressing. I think as well, but uh, I think they just about managed to tie the, tie them up. There were a few moments where major things happened, which were undercut by that humour. I expect that, and there are other times where big things would happen, emotional moments, and they nailed it because. They let those moments breathe. And I think James Gunn is very good at just about getting that right. Um, and that's not a gunism. That's, you know, m- many directors do, would do the same thing um, given the scripts, but he wrote it. And I think he did a decent job in tying the two tones together. Uh, needle drops, like you said, I think they were very decent. Um, there was the one scene that you're talking about. I know which one it is. I think. I, I did wonder during it because the song that's playing is great. I did wonder what the relevance was. And I know they're all Peter's like, favorite songs, but I was like, this is a cool choice. I don't quite understand why it's being played, but I dig it. Um, but the, the scene in itself, like the action in it and the choreography made up for it. Well, I say made up for it. it any shortcomings or kind of questions I had, which were nitpicks more than anything, and I mean that as a real like, oh, why are they playing this one? But I'm jamming with it nonetheless. It's one of those ones where there's no issue with it, but I did think during it, this is an odd one, but I loved it nonetheless. So that's a great action scene. I think the visuals look good. I think they've Marvel have said, right, we want this film to look great. So, so sorry, Ant Man. You know, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, oh. want you to look decent. Guardians want you to look very good. I think the film looks very good, very, very good. Um, and I think there's a lot here for the fans to really sink their teeth into and sink their tears into as well. There's a lot of moments, I think, in this, which will get a few people whirled up, um, get the tears flowing. And I did one, I did worry towards the end that it, it was going on for a Return of the King style kind of length where we, it kept on going. However, I, I, it got the landing for me. I thought it was a very, very satisfying way to conclude this trilogy and to conclude the story of these characters or this team as we know them. And uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I like the interactions that we got as well. I feel like we got more, like, more defined interactions between characters and also some new ones as well. Uh, and John, you mentioned you mentioned Rocket. You know, they dive more into Rocket's story, which previously had been under wraps by the by the animal himself and i think a lot of que- if anyone had any questions as to why we've got a talking raccoon well they answered them very very much here and uh it added some pathos to a character and some emotion that you know didn't really know was going to be there and i think uh that was something else for them to be applauded however you called him a raccoon i mean johnny could be a squirrel hedgehog badger you know they go through all of those in this film they're not quite sure which i a run joke which i which i dig but 
I enjoyed it, my friend. A few things here and there, of course, like with most films, but um, I don't think this one fell victim too much to the kind of whiz-bang visual orgy that more recent MCU films have done. Good way to win a trilogy. Good way for me to get the franchise back on track. Interested to know how and when and why the characters will be used again in any future yeah. films. But uh, no, I had a good time with John. I think what I really hope what happens is Feige and MCU realize it's much more important to tell a good story than to set up the next one. Like if you're only yes. looking to the next one, it's not enough. Like it's okay to like leave things open. So there could be a next one, but you must complete this one first. You know, it's like, if you're worried about the race that's coming next week while you're in the middle of this race, you're going to lose. Like you got, you know, give it, I said give during Quantumania, John, that the, my biggest, I said it the other week, the only problem with, well, <laughs> not the only, but one of the major problems with Quantumania is it is not, it's not a film. It is, it is literally a link in a chain, which, yeah, which sets everything into motion. You cannot watch Quantumania as a standalone film if you're being introduced certainly to this franchise and be able to pick it up because it starts, it pretty much starts off picking up the pieces from other stories. It continues well, that and then it ends by setting up the next one, which even God knows how that's yeah. going to look. You cannot and pick that up as a standalone film. The big problem with doing movies serialized is that they don't get produced at the same speed. That a show does, especially when you're trying to serialize, what, like 10 to 15 different characters that you you like. Like, when did we see Shang-Chi 2021? We're not going to see a sequel for Shang-Chi for like two or three more years at the earliest. People are going to like I've heard people go, wait, Shang-Chi's part of the MCU. And like, yeah, it was a great movie. I love that film. I had a blast with that movie. I barely remember it at this point. And that's like and real world implication as well is the characters, the, sorry, the actors yeah. age as well yes. and, and things like that. And if you're going to see Simu Lu five years down the line from his own film, but in universe, it's only two. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's tricky. And w- Guardians was like 2013, right? The first one. And then uh, 2014. 2014. So three years and then six years, which obviously you throw in COVID, as part of that and them firing gun unceremoniously, but mm. six years between sequels is a long time, especially but we had the Inf- Avengers films to kind of yeah. tide us over with their appearances. Yes. Uh, had it been six years straight without them. Yeah. Right. But the problem is it's going to be that type of gap between movies because you are setting up so many links in the chain because you're not really making an Ant-Man movie. You're making an Avengers movie and Ant-Man has to be, one beat along the path and that's that works for tv because you're getting episodes every week or even like at least once a year you're getting 10 to 20 new episodes depending on the series and the network but with movies when you're when there's that much of a gap i do think it hurts and they're trying to use the disney plus shows as that segue but there's too many you're asking a lot from audiences like when and this is how comic books have always been but most people can't read all the books they read one character's book if that and they'll buy special issues here and there but they have to feel like they can keep up with the story that's this Mm -hmm. character and that's what i feel like the first 20 movies did a pretty good job of it feeling like these characters have a story and then they're all going to tie together where now it feels like we are at the service of the tie together and everything else is just filler and 
this movie doesn't feel that way and why it feels so much better than a lot of the others. And I think Black Panther Wakanda Forever did a pretty good job of also feeling like a standalone. Yep, I agree. I agree. But I think but it had planning is it didn't get well. to do what it wanted to do, right? Like because of because well, Chadwick Boseman yeah. passed away. No, of course, no. Um, which is obviously out of their hands. However, you yes, have to work yeah. with what you what you're dealt. Sadly, I think but planning is the problem as well, John. Which is, yeah, because I look at everything up to Endgame, and I don't feel like to put it to put it simply for me. Since Endgame, every film now seems like it's just building up to the next Endgame, to the to the Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty. And Whereas the other, the first phase, the Infinity phase. Obviously, the closer we got to Infinity War, because we knew we were getting it, of course, you started to feel like you were leading to something. But because there was, I don't want to say less of a plan, but certainly in the beginning, they could just release their character stories. It felt, you know, they felt free. It felt more authentic and it felt a lot more joyful to watch. Whereas now, it just feels like we're, we're, we're going through almost through the motions to get to the secret wars film in 2027 i think that's coming 25 27 um which is hurting the franchise for for me as somebody who does enjoy them and will always go and watch them on open night if i can get there i want to also feel like i'm watching a film first and foremost and then come out and be like oh do you know what great film i really really enjoyed how it tied into ant-man or i love how that that's that scene in wakanda forever pays off here uh, I wonder what the you know I wonder what the film three films down the line is going to tie into this one. I don't need to because I kind of think well the next one will and then the next one will tie you know very, pretty pretty t- t- uh, tightly into that one and it feels just like a conveyor belt and I I, I I hope they can get off that soon and I agree there's too much same with most IP Star Wars similarly I'm looking forward to see how DC do it there's so much to consume and so that sometimes you feel like you can't do it but then you're like well if I don't read this or watch this. Am I missing out? I mean, you know, YouTube yeah. is your friend is what I say to people. But at the same time, I don't want to go and watch a YouTube video to catch up on things. I, I want to watch the thing I love. So, uh, yeah, Guardians did a good job of taking me out of that and just giving me a good time again. And also feeling satisfied that the trilogy was completed uh, nicely. And also knowing that going forward, you know, they, they you know they maybe tie a few things in. I'm looking forward to see what they do with these characters, if anything. But um, well, I enjoyed it. That's our review, folks. We are both up on Guardians. I think, uh, as pretty often, I am a little more up on it. But Matt, solidly on the positive side of it, and that is yes. refreshing, given some of the last MCU films. Again, I keep not thinking of Wakanda Forever as an MCU film because it felt like such a tribute to Chadwick. Yeah. Um, but it obviously is, but uh, it did feel like something different and special for other reasons. This movie just feels like the final step of a great journey and a fun journey and an emotional one at times. But that's it. That's our review. We'll have a spoiler episode in a couple of days. In the meantime, let's get to chopped headlines. These are movie and pop culture news that caught our attention. Um, I'm looking at yours, Matt, and I, I have to admit, I haven't seen this yet. Oh, you're missing out, JB. My headline simply reads, it's Jason Statham versus Shark in the first trailer for Meg 2, The Trench. It's Shark against Statham part de Indirector Ben Wheatley's movie. You know, the Meg came out, oh, dude, wow. the Meg came out in 2018. Yeah. 2018. I know wild. we covered it on the show, but <laughs> blimey, that feels like a long time ago. So the Meg came out and... 
I, I thought it was quite fun actually. I, me- I remember watching it thinking this isn't anywhere near as awful as I thought. Um, but Jason Statham's back now to fight against a shark and an accent again. And the trailer's been released, and <laughs> I watched it. And it's fair to say the Meg, to, sorry Meg to the trench, is absolutely going full sequel. You know what it means, John. I'm sure most of the listeners do. Everything's bigger, much bigger. In fact, this is the biggest Meg they've ever seen, JB, and they've only seen two or three of Jeez. these Megs, but this is the biggest one they've ever seen. Um, the The trailer looks fun. You get a, you get Jason Statham holding off a shark the size of Manhattan with his foot. Oh, I was like, great. Um, but I watched it, and you know what? I thought I've watched the whole film. I've seen the coolest kills. I've seen the coolest moments with the shark. Well, you know, how's the film going to surprise me from here? They probably spoiled most of the film in true Man. modern trailer fashion. But look, the first film made half a billion dollars. It made $530 million wow. worldwide at the box office. And this one, you know, I think if people, oh God, I'm going to fall into the trope, which I hate, but I think if people just go and expect a staffed shark film, you're going to have a better time than if you go and expect the next Jaws. Um, but the, tra- the tone of the trailer really does give away what the film is going to be you've got this you know you've got these kind of character moments where they say this is the biggest shark we've ever seen or how are we going to stop this or these windows are meg proof and of course turns out they aren't but whilst you've got these kind of ominous foreboding threatening um phrases again most of them in a varying accent from jason statham you've also got this kind of tiki music playing over the top of it you've got this quite light-hearted uh song playing so it really kind of made me think well I know what to expect now. It's going to be a romp. It's going to be daft. It's going to be fun. It's not quite the Fast and Furious of shark films yet, but if if we get a Meg 3, I wouldn't be surprised if they do have like a Mecha shark or something stupid like that. But um, no, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I am actually uh, oddly looking forward to watching this because I think it's because I've come to terms with it. I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to go to the theatre uh, in on August the 4th when it comes out, Maybe uh, probably opening night. And I'm just going to have a fun, hopefully have a great time with this, with, with a shark film, a killer shark film, JB. Sometimes it's nice to know what you're getting yourself in for. Most of us like shark films. Most of us like those kind of underwater action horror films. So um, whilst the trailer is doesn't indicate that this film was actually going to be any good in terms of any better than the first film, at least, it, it kind of made me think, well, at worst, I'm going to have a good time and see Jason Staten hold off the shark the size of Manhattan with his foot. Did uh, we so I direct the first one? Uh, I think... Ooh, that's a really good point. Question, actually, I'm going to check that out. But um, in the I meantime, though, I didn't think he did because Wheatley's done some good stuff, but he's, he's also done, done the last couple of movies have been bad. So he's done. Um, he has done some um, uh, in the earth. I quite enjoy that one of the last things he did. Rebecca, not so much. Um, Rebecca, I, have, I never bothered to watch because I'm a Hitchcock fanatic and I just can't bring myself to yeah, do it's, it. But it's it, it's not great. But um, no, he didn't do it. He's also born in Billy Ricky, which okay. was about yeah, three miles from where I used to live. It's uh, weird he, that he's doing this because I I really liked um, Free Fire. I think Free was the Fire, Brie, Larson. Brie Larson and yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Um, um, I've got to see a couple who other things. The I first like. film now. Uh, John Turtletaub did the first wow, film. John it Turtletaub. Went from Turtletaub to Wheelie's got to be in director jail that he's directing this movie because this movie does not seem like it's even in his wheelhouse. Like, how do you go from Rebecca to Meg Two? It does um, not, especially when you see the trailer, JB. You'll look at it and I, it I feels watched like it silently. You've seen um, it, okay? You've seen Jason yeah, while Jason you were talking in the face, but well, oh, I, dude, you know, that was ridiculous. I'm looking forward to it, but I know yeah. what I'm getting in for. What did you think of? 
the Meg and I like how excited Meg. are you for this? I'm I'm after the trailer. I'm very much less excited because this feels <laughs> like I feel like the tone is completely different because the Meg was a big killer shark movie, but it had like it still felt somewhat grounded despite the sci-fi yeah. premise of it. You know, this feels like they have there is no ground. Like there's we're in space. Like even some of their suits look like they're in space. Um, there's way people. more stuff happening than the first one was like there's a lot of jaws references in the first meg which you you expect to happen um with a shark movie that kind of thing and i'm a fan of shark movies uh like i love the shallows i actually think the shallows is underappreciated yeah um where i like i hated 40 meters down but meg fell somewhere in the middle for me i like it much more than 40 meters down or whatever the crap that movie's called 47 Uh, meters the first one was fine the second one wasn't Mm. I think you're forgetting how the first one retcons itself at the end. Uh, it, Absolutely. Everything we thought. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're right. It, it acts like everything we saw was a hallucination. And that that's a freaking cop out cheap yeah, storytelling tactic. And it's, it's the worst when the rug is pulled out in a movie that doesn't set it up at all. Um, oh. I didn't bother with the sequel. Um, don't. But the Meg two, man, it, it just feels like it's, it, it, you know what? It gave me Pacific Rim uprising vibes far more than it gave me Meg. It's not a bad show. Um, and I'm like, all right, I didn't hate uprising. I was all like, it, it felt totally completely different than Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. It felt like the power Rangers version of uprising, you know, uprising did. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to see it. Um, cause it's, it's August it's Statham. And I, I got to admit, man. Statham works for me. I, I know he's not the most prolific actor, but I like him as an action guy. I tend to enjoy him and his even like crank. I just watched crank not too long ago. I, I spoke about it on the podcast. It it's he's watchable. He just is for me. Like, I'm not saying everyone is going to agree with me, but I can watch him in an action movie and find some level of enjoyment. And so I will definitely see this. No, nope, I think we've got to cover it anyway. So uh, good yeah. luck with that. JD, yeah, yeah. But it, 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 it maybe it's maybe it's a mood I was in, but I watched it and thought, you know, I'm 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 here for this Daft Shark film. Hopefully, by the time it's finished, I don't uh, regret saying that live on a show. But I'm sticking by it for now, <laughs> JB. But um, what headline have you gone for this week? So I, I didn't even realize uh, that it happened, but the MTV Movie and TV Awards dropped this weekend. Um, huh. This used to be such a major part of my childhood that. I don't know when it fell off. I feel like it was like 10 years ago. I stopped caring about the MTV movie awards, mm-hmm. but it, it, the fact that it was a headline and CNN covered it, I was like, yeah, why not? This is, let's look at what they did. I don't I know no what idea. their uh, criterion is for time anymore, because there are movies that came out at the beginning of this year in the nominations uh, and winning. Um, and I'm like, well, these are next. This is what, when is this movie? Like, when do you decide to take, like, it's so, random to be in may yeah for their movie awards you know what i'm saying because it's, it's like 2023 it's, movie awards apparently as well which makes no sense yeah it's far more 2023 movies so but it still has some of the 2022 stuff right I'm but here we go let's just kind of hit the categories i won't read all of the nominations but best movie scream six okay. could there be a more mtv winner no um <laughs> which is, uh, that's what the mtv awards used to be though right like they were they were the awards for your casual movie audience. It's they spoke truer. Nominated, yeah, and which is great. Um, I I love seeing horror get recognized. I I you know mm-hmm. uh, Nope is also there, but obviously Nope got more prestige because of Peel. But 
Um, so I'm not gonna I'm gonna skip over the show stuff because this is a movie podcast. Uh, however, Last of Us did win Best Show, and that's worth saying. Um, yes, Best Performance in a Movie because they uh, a few years ago it was big controversy when they did it. They got rid of actor actress and they just have performance. Yes. Um, Tom Cruise uh, wins for Maverick, which I'm sure <laughs> Very empty he probably was well. there in person. Um, but interesting nominations <laughs> there. Um, Best Hero, which I didn't know was a, ca- a category, but uh, I guess they they mesh hero with movie. No, these no, it's movie and or it's show. Movie and TV, yeah. Uh, Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, though, which yeah, okay, Joel. I don't know if Joel would call himself a hero, but uh, you can call him a hero as much as I want to. Best villain, um, no, Wanda from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of that Madness. That is the MTV decision to beat all MTV decisions. Uh, you know, that, 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 that's Twitter fueled. She beat the bear from Cocaine Bear, and she that's worth mentioning. Them. Um, how did how could she beat the bear? Um, best kiss, Harry which Styles has been should have won. Yeah. Uh, is that Outer Banks is a show, right? I don't care about that. Uh, um, they, that. They mesh a lot of these categories. I didn't realize they were doing that. Um, best comedic performance, Murder Mystery 2, really? We're just giving Adam Sandler awards for Netflix movies? Just, to be fair, no. haven't seen it. And the, I've I'm heard the first Murder no. Mystery was good. I'm just not interested. Me Kiki either. Palmer was up for her uh, best comedic performance in Nope. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, she hmm. makes some jokes. Was it because she says "nope" and that was a joke? Or... Yeah, like oh, that's fair enough. Weird... Okay, cool. Yeah, all right. Yeah, um, man, MTV, what are we doing here? Uh, breakthrough performance, Joseph Quinn for Stranger Things. That's is that Eddie? I assume. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, which okay, cool. Eddie's awesome, but God, that's from this year's nominations. I don't understand the nominations. Um, best fight, uh, Courtney Cox wins best fight. At, for Gail Weathers versus Ghostface and Scream. It is a really good sequence it's in very Scream cool. 6. You've literally got Creed 3 there. It's not, John not even Wick nominated. is on the list. John Wick! <laughs> but versus everyone. <laughs> How does that not win? The best fights, period, are in the John Wick movie. Like, maybe uh, uh, easily for the last year, hands down. So, like, the fact that that's nominated is frustrating to me. Um, <laughs> Most was nominated. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put the escape from Narquino as a fight more so than it is a desperate pr- attempt to get out. But you know that should yeah. have won it all. Yeah, most frightened performance. As I'm not even going to read. Uh, best duo. I like seeing Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey for The Last of Us win. Mm-hmm. I think that's hands down. Um, best kick-ass cast. Stranger Things. Uh, all right, I guess. Yes. Um, best song. Uh, Taylor Swift for Carolina. Really? I get it. Like, I love T-Swift. And I actually really like that song, but that movie's... Like, we get the Lady Gaga song from Maverick is not winning. Like, are you kidding me? That should have um, won the Oscar. But then again, Natu Natu did, so I can't Natu, argue Natu. that. I, I, I get why Swifty won the MTV award, though. Good song, yeah. Carolina. Um, it is it's a good better song. than most of that film. But I, I, I can see why she won. But then again, to be fair, I could say the same for Rihanna, Lady Gaga, or even Doja Cat in the MTV category. Wow, best music documentary. These are like documentaries I don't even know exist, uh, which is saying something because I watch a lot of mu- music documentaries. I've literally reviewed three music documentaries from this year for Sean's site, and uh, not one of them is on this list. And all of them are better. Uh, all of them are great. I don't. I haven't seen these. So I can't fairly say that. But I, I kind of want to watch the Love Lizzo one, and I like Selena Gomez, so I want to watch this one. But I didn't know it existed. Um, 
but Selena Gomez, My Mind and Me wins uh, for Best Music Documentary, which I don't think they used to do that category. So that's kind of a cool category because that is what MTV used to be. Obviously, MTV is no longer music television. No. Uh, I believe literally, I think they changed the M to just be M. I don't think it actually stands for music anymore. Yeah, they can't call um, themselves music television anymore. They cannot. Yeah, it's a different world anyways. I don't know that music videos have the same place on no, TV don't. with YouTube existing like it does. Um, but uh, still interesting that they still do it. Um, Drew Barrymore was supposed to be the host. She dropped out last minute, I think because of the writer strike. Uh, so I don't even know if this was televised or if this was like all behind the scenes because of the writer strike. A lot of people are uncertain what's acceptable to do live productions. It's really mm-hmm. up in the air right now, but I saw the headline. I thought, Hey, let's look at it. Um, did Matt, were, did you ever care about the MTV movie awards or? Well, um- ironically drew barrymore actually won an award for best host at the show for mm-hmm. the drew barrymore show yep. which is ironic um yeah i kind of followed it because it felt it wasn't quite like the um the anti-awards or quite as kind of hedonistic as other ones but it was yeah. a nice refreshing change mainly for what you said right at the very top my team horror would usually get a few more looks in which it has done yeah. here whether or not i look at them and think <laughs> should that really be winning okay you know they're getting they're getting some love and that's what I dig, but I didn't even know there was um, the awards had happened or th- that even if any nominations were announced, I, I, I knew nothing about it whatsoever. Uh, so to, to see your headline was a bit of a surprise uh, that it, not only was there nominees, but there was also winners. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not one that I really held an awful lot of stock in, but I enjoyed the eclecticism of the nom. I've always enjoyed that, that diversity of the nominations. It wasn't just here are the five critically lauded films of the year half the time it's here's five of the films that are in the top 10 grossing because people enjoyed those films so it felt a bit more mainstream than your standard awards but um it's cool that they're still going i guess yeah i mean i literally saw the headline that drew had dropped out of hosting like a few days ago and then when i saw this headline i was like wait she dropped out for like hosting? the weekend that was coming. Like I didn't realize it was that like big of a deal that she dropped out days before it was supposed to happen, um, which is what caught me off guard when I saw this. So I was like, "All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about this." Um, Fair do so. Yeah, that's why I picked it. Good show. Um, media consumption is our next segment. This is where Matt and I talk about the movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. That we list that we listen to, watch, or read um, in order to pass the time between episodes. So Matt. What have you been consuming? This week, I've been consuming a few things in terms of yeah. in my ears. I've been listening to the Double Toasted podcast and also watching it on YouTube, having a lot of fun there as usual. And I also listened to the Kind of Funny Games cast because they did a full spoiler review of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which I'm not sure if I said whether I finished it last week or not, but I have finished it now and it's damn good. Damn good story. Uh, so I... Uh, like I do with most things in that vein, I was like, oh, I need to know what other people thought about this. Not enough people have finished it. I need to hear people's thoughts. And so I don't really should listen to the kind of funny games cast. I, I'm aware of them, and I think they're very knowledgeable and very cool, but I'm not a gamer. But I tuned in for this one and enjoyed it and glad to hear that they all were on the same wavelength as me, as most people seem to be with the story of the game, that most people seem to think it's superb. And if they can release the next Star Wars Jedi game which they are going to and it hits the landing then we've got the best star wars trilogy since dot and it's in video game format and that is me saying that objectively subjectively for anyone who wants to hit me but um i think if, yeah, if they can nail a third game then 
it's by far the strongest three stories cohesively we've had in decades. But let's see if they can do it first. Um, in terms of yeah. films, um, for uh, movie astrology, which I know we're going to be doing again in the upcoming uh, weeks and months, uh, I watched The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, Rewatched that mm-hmm. one um, to get uh, a handle on that one because said game I've just spoke about has a reference to that, as most films or pop culture things do. They have a reference to that film somewhere. Oh. Um, they have a reference. I was like, you know what? It ties into our next year of astrology. I'm going to go and watch Leon's film and going to start watching a few more in the next few weeks. Uh, I watched Friday the 13th, the uh, one of the OG cl- horror classics, um, slasher classics. I bought the uh, it's an eight movie or nine movie collection on Blu-ray. It was ah. about it was about fifteen pounds, um, twenty bucks or something. I saw it in the in the store and I was like, yep, you're coming home with me because I haven't actually got any of them on Blu-ray because I'm a collector and I also like saving money. So all of my, most of my film collections are the box set. So I've got the alien anthology. I've got the nightmare on Elm street, all however many films there are in the box set. Same with the screen films in the box set, rather than buying individually. Uh, so I saw the Friday collection buying all of those. So now of course it doesn't have Jason, x on there you're the greatest one of them all but it is yeah yeah um or it doesn't have it doesn't have the friday the 13th the killer redo um which was which is fine i didn't actually mind that as a redo actually but it was pretty good um so i watched i watched the first one and holds up still Uh, i i do enjoy the friday films i I am looking forward to diving into them again because it's been a minute since i watched any of them let alone all of them, and I'm looking forward to diving into certain of those middle chapters in that a lot of school, people like. Every every Friday the Thirteenth, like the day we had a Friday the Thirteenth, uh, USA Network would play yeah. all of them, like nice. with, you know, cut it and edited for commercials. But I, of course, every time there was a marathon, I watched it um, in high school. So like I've seen all of them several times, but all always like edited. Like I don't know if I've ever watched all of them unedited. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of them unedited, but I don't think I've seen all of them. And I've never seen Jason X. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the only one I've never seen. But and I, I, I think I only watched Freddy versus Jason once, and I was like, "All right, cool, got it." The more I watch that film, the more I enjoy the Freddy versus Jason as all. But it is just so early noughties that it's you, you can't yeah. shake it. It's one of those films, and I struggle to watch films from that era now because uh, there's just something awful about films or fashion or sometimes music as well from that era it's like oh god don't, don't don't take me back some of the things though are very cool admittedly but um yeah i've played the friday the 13th game more than i've watched any of the films in recent years or decades so uh, of course i enjoyed that one um i watched return to soul john which is a film i've been looking forward to see it, it was on i think it was my viewing regret at the bampies from last year because it was in fact because it was out at a few festivals but i never got a chance to see it and it's finally released here in the uk a few days ago now and it's a david joe film about a a young french woman who returns home to south korea for the first time Uh, and she's looking for her parents and the film was about her journey to get there it's fantastic i'm so glad i finally finally got to watch it uh i would recommend checking it out for um anyone who well likes film but can handle the one inch barrier as um bong joon ho would call it so uh yeah return to soul enjoyed that one an awful lot i watched sisu which i know you watched jb um 90 minutes of just pure bedlam uh though to be honest the first 10 minutes was dead silent you know no no dialogue dug that and it's 
also very in between the madness is a very quiet film which i really enjoyed that yes stylistically approach um and listen listen usually when a film has too many outlandish moments of gore or action i'm think it takes me out of it a bit but when it's against the nazis i'm all in i'm all in i'm fist pumping it do it again you know get them harder uh so sisu whilst it was uh it was an odd film it was a very enjoyable film with some very cool action scenes and action moments and um a very cool protagonist and again i kind of you kind of struggle to call him that but he's a legend within the story and i i enjoyed sisu for 90 minutes of just outlandish finish fun and finally i saw a film which i know you saw jb um blackberry the film which charts the rise and fall of blackberry in the research and motion company uh well you know we both got screeners from ifc uh, a film which i was looking forward to uh seeing because in recent years we've been getting a lot of these films kind of of start tech films or starter films or this year we had blackberry we've got the cheetah not blackberry sorry tetris and the cheetos film coming as well tetris i really enjoyed and now the idea of a blackberry film i thought yep i am in into this now matthew johnson directs and also is one of the um supporting artists i'd call in this jay baruchel and glenn howerton who's very good in this are our leads and i've really enjoyed blackberry jb i've really really enjoyed blackberry I think it got its tone so right. It is, it is like a, a, a successor almost to the social network in the way it is. Um, I, I wasn't overly aware of the story. I knew that BlackBerry had issues, shall we say? I, I, mean, I had Blackberries in my time, and then I also know that they just suddenly disappeared, uh, and it coincided with the release of other things. But the film in itself is really good. Jay Baruchel is an actor I, I'm hot and cold on. I think he's good here. Uh, yeah, Glenn yeah. Howerton's very good. Everyone's really good. It's well directed. It's well paced for a film that's two hours. Um, good music, good music in it, um, and the the kind of atmosphere they build is there's fun in it, but there's they also there's also like dramatic tension which they throw in there, which really works. And I really really enjoyed Blackberry, so I'm glad I got to see that a week or so early. We'll put um, some words out about it soon. But that's what I've been checking out, JB. Uh, I know you checked out Blackberry. And an awful lot of things as well. Yeah, I also really like Blackberry. Um, I did write a review, and my review is up at BerkReviews.com for that. Um, I, yeah, um, I actually like the director, who's also the guy who plays Doug in the movie. Yes. But um, he, I've only seen one of his other films, but I really liked it. Um, and I believe Dirty, I think it's called Dirties. I think was uh, Kevin Smith was involved with some some capacity with like either helping promote it via the podcast or something like he was somehow connected to it. That's how I came across it years ago. Um, but I think uh, Blackberry does this really cool kind of voyeuristic cinematography where we're always kind of at a distance looking uh, at what's happening. And I think mm-hmm. that really helped. Um, and like you said, I also didn't know the story. So I was kind mm-hmm. of like, Oh wow. I didn't know uh, how this came yeah. into existence and it's pretty wild documentary style as well at times, which I enjoyed yeah yeah definitely like uh cinema verite kind of yes. fly on the wall um uh but to go into podcasts i did uh blank check just started their series on buster keaton that they're calling podcast junior remember uh the premise of blank check is they do director series right so this is focusing on buster as a director in his feature films primarily um their first but because the features are only about an hour long 
Um, they're doing two per episode. So they're going to get through the movies pretty quickly, uh, which created a conundrum because all of his movies are in the public domain, which means they're all over YouTube. The problem with that is sometimes the quality is really bad on YouTube. And sometimes uh, people have, you don't know where the score is coming from. Like someone's always added a score into a silent film because they were not synchronized. That's why they're silent. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I feel like some people go a little wild with the score selection or even sometimes like sound effects. Um, like for example, I was watching, I I've been watching everything on canopy. Um, but I think it was, I think it was Sherlock jr where I heard clapping and at first it didn't. Oh no, it was, uh, it was, um, the navigator. There's a scene where he's on the ship and he's waiting to be served and no one's coming. So he's like claps. And I heard clapping and I was really thrown for a second. Like, wait, why am I hearing? Yeah sound effects like that shouldn't be and uh but canopy has been where i've been going um for these movies uh so i um but i also their first guest was dana stevens because she wrote a book uh i think it came out just after the pandemic ended or the lockdown ended um called cameraman about buster keaton so i decided to get that on audible and i've been listening to that i'm like i'm like cool. 12 or 13 chapters in i think it's very good very very thorough um not it's focused on keaton but it also does dive into some of his uh surrounding collaborators and and players and and the context of the time period in which he's coming up very 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 well done and dana is also nice. reading the audiobook she's a podcaster herself so got a voice for it yes um other movies, uh, I'm Sherlock Jr. First time, love that movie. Uh, really, really good. I think for a silent film, it pulled me in the most. Even though, like, again, I'm watching these as I'm doing other things, which I know is the worst way to watch a silent film because you have to give your hundred <laughs> percent attention to the visuals. But Sherlock pulled me into it. Um, and the Navigator did at times. Uh, the Navigator felt long to me, though, by comparison. Like Sherlock, I kept getting more and more interested as the film went on. Where Navigator, I'm like, okay. Okay, let's get through this, please. Um, and I finished uh, the Planet of the Apes movies. I watched John Quest of the Planet of the Apes and uh, <laughs> Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Um, I'd seen those before, but not in their um, uncut versions. I had only seen them on TV with commercials. Uh, they they play much better without commercials because they're only ninety minutes. Um, I like these movies, man. I like the old Planet of the Apes movies, even the the B films. They still feel like fun sci-fi um, and some good performances, man. Roddy McDowell is just like, like full on theatrical performance mm -hmm. in these monkey yeah. suits. Uh, yeah. Real, real good. And then uh, caught some of the, uh, the shorts from Buster Keaton one week. Um, a clear standout for the shorts. It's super good. Uh, and the scarecrow also, I like that one a lot. There's a really great scene I'd seen before of um, them eating dinner with like these Rube Ginsburg type like contraptions, like all their um, uh, ketchups and salt and peppers and everything hanging from the ceiling. And they're like tossing them back and forth to each other. And it's, it's incredible. I'd seen it before, but man, I didn't know what it was from honestly when I'd seen it before. So it was cool seeing that. Um, the one thing I've noticed though, uh, in the Reddit for the blank check, um, somebody posted a YouTube video where it was, uh, I knew that Jackie Chan takes a lot of inspiration from slapstick. Mm -hmm. I've actually, I taught Jackie Chan's project a instead of teaching a silent film, because I felt like I could get, I could introduce silent film slapstick through a movie that had dialogue. So my students wouldn't check out on me. And um, there are three specific moments in project a where he references three iconic 
set pieces from one from Chaplin, one from Keaton and one from Harold Lloyd. But this, someone else cut a video where it's like all these Keaton stunts and all these Jackie Chan stunts that mirror Keaton. And I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, yep. There's that. There's that. There's that. But then the Harold Lloyd hanging from the clock pops up. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Because <laughs> it explicitly says Keaton and Jackie Chan. And I'm like, do they not know that that's not Keaton? Because that's, that's a big slight in your film history. If you watch the clock scene and think it's Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton's phenomenal. There are three slapstick uh, comedians of the era that you have to know. And it's it's Chaplin Lloyd and, and Keaton. So to mix that up, bug me. And I just had to throw that out there. But it wasn't the Redditor who uh, made the video, mind you. But whoever made that video, do a little bit of searching. Because it's not hard to find out that that's not Buster Keaton hanging from the clock. Um, keeping up with Dave, uh, the FX series. Um, it's, episode 6 is insane, dude. I know you haven't watched any of Dave. But my God, episode six takes some of the biggest risks and somehow manages to pull it off. It's insane. Uh, What's the show what about again? Uh, Little Dicky is a, a rapper. His real name is Dave. And it's it's kind of like a mock. It's not a mockumentary in terms of like style. Like it's filmed like mm-hmm. a regular, you know, two, uh, two camera or three camera sitcom, maybe even a one cam. Um, but the first season is very much him. Like he's an established rapper but he's trying to become successful, successful right. uh, season two. He's now got a contract and he's trying to fulfill the contract and make the album. Season three is he's made the album. Now he's touring the album and he's having, you know, doubts and, and trouble with it. And um, it's, there's so many, it's kind of got, it's like raunchy Ted Lasso where like, there's like men dealing with, with things in ways that men don't traditionally deal with things. And they, they attempt to tackle mental health in real ways and stuff like that. But it's very raunchy. Like it's super, I mean, the, the rapper's name is Lil Dicky because he has a little penis. Like that is, it's not a like, odd name. Um, and it comes up a lot. Like it's not a, a random topic. Like it, it is one of those shows. It's hard to recommend because it is so raunchy at times, but it's also like really brilliant and funny. And it takes crazy swings that they somehow managed to pull off um yeah it's it's a show worth checking out it's again if you are okay with it being very extreme um and then lastly uh i've been playing a lot of horizon forbidden west i am at the point where i'm hooked into the game and i just want to get through all of it um and it's 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 great horizon uh, zero dawn was one of my favorite games for a while and forbidden west has definitely pulled me back in uh excellent game highly recommend Still need to play. Like I said last week, I have it. I've just been so into finishing the story of just of Jedi Survivor that I haven't even had a chance to look at other games. But I feel like uh, that will be my next one because I have it and because it's been recommended. There you go. I I hope you do uh, eventually get to them. Um, that is our consumption. Uh, before we wrap up, though, we have to check in. We have to make sure we're keeping our bloody awesome levels at peak condition so that we can continue to do this podcast week after week so matt i need to know what are you doing to stay bloody awesome jb uh this week i'm, I'm being cultured i'm a man of man of culture as you know jb i'm british obviously but um i've been collecting real art collecting might be the wrong word i've been buying real art i've sent you a link actually but i saw on insta i'm always looking for cool things to put on the wall to frame up for um a new dad pad and 
it was an exorcist Instagram post, which I saw ofs, which had like a, a, a newspaper clipping and on the front, and it was, you know, two Georgetown priest dying exorcisms. And it's like a front page of a newspaper mocked up in the style of a film event. And, uh, I was like, immediately I need it. I've got to buy it. So I did. I went and bought that one. So I've got a, an, a newspaper clipping from like the Georgetown Gazette or something, whatever the paper is around that way, which is, which has, you know, pictures from the film, but also like a write up, like a reporter's write up of what may or may not have happened. And it's all kind of legit. It's all, it's all played for real, uh, like for, for, for authenticity. And then I, I was looking through it. I was like, Oh damn, there's, there's one from alien, for uh, 1979's Alien, talking about the Nostromo crew disappearing. There are, um, I mean, you can th- pick a film and there is something. Ace Ventura has a, yeah, that's has a clipping. Back to the Future 3, you know, Locomotive 131 hijacked by the bandits. Uh, Dra- Dracula, Bill and Ted, Beetlejuice. I'm literally just going through them now. But uh, I also got Ghostbusters as well. Um, I got oh, one nice. from the original one of how... The Ghostbusters save Manhattan, save New York, save the world. Um, cool picture of the four guys, the gang, and a little write up as well. So, um, keep in keeping with my love of all things kind of pop culture, tat and film. That's what's going to be adorning the walls of the dad pad. Will be framed newspaper clippings or newspaper front pages from historical events such as the banishing of Pazuzu and the Ghostbusters saving the world. So really, it was it's actually it was an impulse by more than anything, JB, because had I not seen the post, I wouldn't have known yeah. it existed, I wouldn't have bought them. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've got... I, 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 they're the kind of things I like to collect. I've got so many posters rolled up in the corner of the room here. I feel like I've got, I've got a really cool Spirited Away in Totoro, po- my neighbour Totoro poster, a great 2049 oh, cool. poster, and stuff like that. But I haven't got them out yet because I'm waiting for the best place to put them. I've got these comic book style posters of all nine star Wars films. It's, it's one poster, but it's kind of in that old serialized comic book style. It's really, really cool, including the sequels, which is nice. Uh, I've got so many. That's the the kind of stuff I like, John. Have you received these yet or just order them? Um, I haven't received the, the two um, posters yet. It's from a website called cult cult clippings c-u-l-t clippings um i haven't received them i'm hoping they'll turn up uh at some point this week i ordered them late last week so i'm hoping they may even be here tomorrow my first complaint is i'm looking at the website and they have uh collections and one of the collections is universal monsters when you look at it they have werewolf uh frankenstein and creature from black lagoon but they also have clue and top gun in this list of collections and Top I'm like, Gun what? seems to be a bit of a. I know Tom Cruise has a reputation, but I, yeah. I don't think I wouldn't put him with the Universal Monsters. I, I didn't. See I the mean, to be fair, definitely. they did try to make the Mummy movie with him, but that's not Top Gun. And then that's a good um, point. Maybe that's a maybe that's a uh, an HTML issue. Maybe they got the wrong one in there. But I didn't see the collections, my friend. Scream, um, I, Rock it's you. the wow. second. So when I'm looking down, I have three. I have Stephen King. Universal Monsters and Christmas, and in Christmas they also have the Blues Brothers. Um, oh, but they have a oh, they have an It's a Wonderful Life one. I'm gonna have to buy that. Dang you, Matt. Um, I I, I do not apologize. That. If you're listening, uh, whoever this guy is, you crazy. If you're listening, I'm helping you out here. You know, yeah. G- give him some help. Discount, maybe sponsor the show. You know, hook us up. Um, you hey man, I'm gonna send him this clip. This is my own clipping. I'm sending it to you, my man. Yes, exactly. Um, but. Uh, very cool. I, I like collecting stuff like this. I try 
it's hard not to because it, it you spend so so much so fast exactly. and then it just sits on a wall. But it's also like so yeah, many of them. It's so cool. Um, I really want what about this you, wonderful life one. Uh, I am celebrating both myself, I guess, and teachers in general. It is Teacher Appreciation Week. Um, and that's kind of true and kind of not. There are some things that are happening this week, then they're delaying some things for next week. But, you know, I've been a teacher for a long time now, uh, over 13 consecutive years, but I was a teacher for three years prior to that. So technically 16 years of my life out of age 40. So almost just under half of it, I've been a teacher. Um, and I never planned to be, I, I never wanted to be, I was not one of those ki- you know, people in high school going, I'm going to teach. And mm-hmm. it, when I finished college, they do an exit interview and, um, the person was recommended teaching because their student loan forgiveness, which is not entirely true for education. And I laughed at them and said, I'll never be a teacher. And then <laughs> uh, here it is 16 years later. And it's hard to imagine being anything else. Um, it's a profession that I have come to fully a hundred percent appreciate and realize the significance of. And so uh, I, I thank everybody who is a teacher. Um, I find great pleasure when people I've taught become teachers. And at the same time, I don't blame anyone who doesn't want to do it because it is, I think the most unappreciated and essential profession that exists in the world today. And if you question that statement, let me ask, does your job require you to have gone to school? And if so, there you go, because most do. And without teachers, school is pointless. And without good teachers, school is really pointless. And the, you know, I, I try to be a good teacher. I don't for sure know if it's easy to define, but I, I take the Mr. Rogers approach is I don't know for sure what the right answer is. I'm just doing my best to make sure that people's lives aren't worse when they've met me and teachers. Thank you for everything you do. And anyone who's trying to make teaching hard, please stop because the profession is necessary. Your governments in, it, say it is because it requires education in order to do almost every single job that exists that's worth having according to the the pay. So let's be real about it. If teachers are gatekeepers, then make sure that we have good people watching the gates. That's my, that's right, my man. No, it's no gig. Stay up there, my friend. Um, we, we spoke off air about it. Look, if we, everyone's had teachers who, you know, maybe not, but maybe, maybe we're the best for whatever reason, but we've, we all remember the good teachers we had and they are far more good than bad out there. And in the times we're living now, teacher appreciation, you know, you could look at it and think, you know, maybe, maybe more could be done by the higher ups to actually appreciate their teachers. However, I'm not a teacher and I know, I know what, what, what work JB does. And even I know that in terms of Mr. Birkenfield, professor John, who maybe one day, um, they, they 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 respect him and they appreciate the work he does a the the time he puts in the affable nature of which he does his lessons coming from a guy on the other side of the pond who knows this because you know jb he, he kind of says he, he, i know that you have you go to watch films with your students past and present uh more should be done to genuinely appreciate the people who are setting the rest of us up for life you know a good teacher is a good teacher should be appreciated. Every teacher should be, but some of the real ones who really, really push people on, you know, they deserve more than a pat on the back every now and then. Let's let it, but look, if we've got a week of just telling the teachers how great they are and hopefully using it as a uh, jumping off board, then 
I'm here for it, and I'm pretty confident that your your students will appreciate you, Mister Birkenfield. Oh, I, I I get plenty from them. To be fair, they're not the ones I'm. And again, I'm not even mm. looking for appreciation, but just the get idea it. that the profession needs it. Um, because for a minute we were heroes, and then for the last three years we've been villainized, and it's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. anyways, folks, that's our episode of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh. This is technically the start of summer movies, especially if you are following the film cast summer movie wager. Um, it's, yes. it's full on now. But next weekend, it's kind of a dud. Um, there's a movie about Zodiac something like it's I forgot what it's even called. It's, I've seen one trailer for it. No. It doesn't look very good. I think it's based on a YA novel. Um it's not getting a lot of promotion. I googled and then, it. Was like, I think so. <laughs> nah. Yeah, and uh, and then Book Club Two is counter programming to summer movies. Um, I liked the first one. I'm kind of hyped about the second one. But Matt and I have decided that next week we are not doing a normal episode because in June, Matt, myself, and my editor at Burke Reviews, David are going to be covering Tribeca and over at disappointment media, big tuna is coming back to Tribeca also covering it. So next week we're going to be looking ahead to June and discussing what movies were hyped about for Tribeca. So um, if you are in the New York area, uh, Tribeca is a cool film festival. I've gotten to go in person a few times. I wish I was going this year, um, but David is going to hit the ground. He's going to be in New York for a couple of days, nice. uh, seeing some movies in person uh, covering them either via podcast or a few a few reviews written, I hope. And then, uh, but Matt and I are going to be remotely covering it, and we wanted to look ahead and kind of start planning our festival. Give you a heads up of some things we're going to talk about in June. And obviously, we're going to cover all of the big movies this summer. But this weekend coming up, there's not really a big summer movie, so really. we're going to focus on Tribeca for now. And then we'll be back to the summer stuff because we get Fast X and we get Little Mermaid. We have so many big movies coming out over the next couple of months. Um, we're going to have plenty to talk about, but we do want to make sure we give Tribeca a good look uh, because last year, some of my favorite movies were from Tribeca and a lot of you haven't even had the chance to get to see them yet, but we like to be on the forefront of those and be able to champion when they do come out. We'll remind you, Hey, we saw this a year ago. Please make sure you watch this. Um, So we're going to look ahead. Uh, That's what next week's episode is. In the meantime, we would love to hear from you. Whatever you want to say, good or bad, hit us up on social media. Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Twitter? We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And we're on the Facebook at just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, We would love for you to take a minute and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen because it helps us find new listeners and then they can go see us individually at our other locations like burkreviews.com or follow me at burkreviews on all those other socials matt what about you where can they see your stuff you can see my stuff at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk to search what i watch tonight across all of the socials including letterboxd and yeah we're we're part of that rotten tomato thing at this point we say up down i think this week we're going to be going up on guardians volume three but you never know check out that we contribute to that little score um but with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome